<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. Gary Hoffman. They gave him a five-minute standing ovation at the end. Shannon Farron. The bitch is insane. you for being here and ruining everything for everybody else. Gary and Shannon. Together, we will make America great again. Gary and Shannon. But that, to that end, I did hear a guy yesterday say, it's, you know, harmless enough you can put it on nachos, which is not true. I mean, I suppose there are people who would do something like that, but you're not going to put... Oh, that smelled so good. Yeah, exactly. What so, was his name? Randy? I think Randy. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he was great. Perfect name, by the way. I love that name. I've always loved the name Randy. Really? <laughs> Do you want me to start calling you Randy? Uh, Do you want that to be your nickname? No. No. Mr. Hoffman. Yes. Oh, I thought that was somebody talking to me. <laughs> have you been drinking? I feel a little bit like it, yeah. yes. It was weird because I didn't have a cup of coffee this morning at home. I usually have a cup of coffee at home, you know, sit there and chit-chat with the wife. But I didn't today. I mean, we chit-chatted, but I didn't have a cup of coffee. And I didn't realize it until I'm about 30 minutes into the drive to work. I said, something is very different about today. And so, so now you've had six since you got no, here. No, this is only the second one. This is only the second one. So I've only had one, This and then this much of this one. So unless you guys put something in that coffee, I don't know. You do sound a little hyped up today. Well, I I feel like um, it was a very quiet night at my house last night for the first time in about eight days. Yeah. So it was a nice, it was a shh. Like, Isn't that I nice? Uh, you came, take silence for granted sometimes. Came home from my big, uh, dumb beer league softball game, and uh, and the, the TV wasn't on. There was, you know, there's little light music in the background. The dog was asleep on the floor. Like, it was just peaceful. Yeah. Christmas tree's up already. It's just peaceful. How'd the game go? Uh, well, we lost both of them because it was a doubleheader, and I got nailed. Running from first to second, guy hit a ball, and it hit me right here. A bruise? Do you have a bruise? Huge. Oh, can I see it? You really want to see Kinda. it? Kinda. I'll show you. I'll, we'll take a picture of it and I'll show you because it's, uh, it's a good one. Oh, good. It is a, and it's gonna, only going to get worse. Right now, it's just like the outline of the ball. I used to be so proud of those if I'd get hit at softball practice or a game. Well, th- I'm out. I mean, the ball's dead. Yeah. I'm out at that point. But he hit that thing so hard. and uh... I think there's probably something wrong with being proud of bruises, too. But uh, I'm not going to dig into that one. Uh, Uh, Prosecutors with Bob Mueller's team say Paul Manafort breached his plea agreement. uh Uh-oh. They say he lied repeatedly to them in their investigation into Russian interference in the election of 2016. 
Paul Manafort. Now, up until this point, this report yesterday about him lying, he was still looking at a few years of prison, wasn't he? I mean, because of this and because of the tax and bank fraud trial that had yet to go on. Well, they haven't even done their pre-sentencing report. Why would he? Why would he do this? He denies. Of, all well, of course, it, he of does. Um, Bob Mueller in this report yesterday said that there were uh, that Manafort's crimes and lies about a variety of subject matters relieved them of all promises they made to him in this plea agreement. And under the terms of the plea agreement, he cannot withdraw his guilty plea. So, like you said, they they totally his lawyers totally disagree that he violated this deal. And we don't know specifically what he was lying about or what the allegation was that he was lying about. But here's and, and the weird thing is we don't know if that means that he didn't give up any information. There's a chance that he gave them a treasure trove of stuff and then started lying about something. The unfortunate thing for the Trump White House is Rudy Giuliani has admitted that he and Paul Manafort's lawyer talk all the time. Here's the thing. Um, they they obviously think he's holding back, that he's not giving them everything. Did they ever think that he was going to give them everything, all the information that he has? Well, I, I think they did. I think they believed that they were going to hold this over him because he's 69 years old. I mean, he gets 10, 15, 20 years in jail. That's a life sentence for him. So I, I think that they believed that would be enough to continue – uh, to put enough pressure on him to continue his cooperation. The other story about this Paul Manafort thing that has come out today, the uh, Guardian newspaper in Britain is reporting that Paul Manafort had been meeting with Julian Assange in the Ecuadorian embassy a couple of times before he had anything to do with the Trump campaign in 2013 and 15. And then in spring of 2016, during which he was a key figure in then-candidate Donald Trump's campaign. We don't know why he wanted to see Julian Assange. We don't know what was discussed. But that last meeting is going to be problematic because it does coincide with the time that he was a key figure in the campaign. The understanding I have, by the way, is that WikiLeaks totally denies that there was any meeting between these two even though there are apparent records that show and guards at the Ecuadorian embassy that sh- that said that, yes, that was Paul Manafort and a couple of Russians who went in there and talked to Julian Assange. In fact, WikiLeaks has said that they are willing to put a million dollars on the line that, to show that this Guardian newspaper article about the meeting between Paul Manafort and Julian Assange is fake. OK, so you asked about the prison term that he's facing. He is expected to face at least a 10 year long prison term for those 10 felony counts, including financial fraud and conspiracy to obstruct justice. He had hoped that uh, agreeing to this plea deal and, and cooperating with Bob Mueller's team would would land him a lighter punishment. But uh, looking at the new court filing and the fact that they haven't done their pre-sentencing report, I don't think that's going to happen. And I I wonder how much, if any, this report, this new report from today, the Guardian report would play into this because the idea of Russian meddling in our election is clear. The, The question of whether or not there was collusion with the campaign That's what they're investigating. And they've been looking at contacts between WikiLeaks and any associate of Donald Trump, like, say, for example, oh, I don't know, Paul Manafort or Roger Stone or Donald Trump Jr., those guys. So one key question is, 
when the campaign was aware of the hacking operation that clearly the Kremlin was behind, and then what, if anything, it did to encourage it, which is what uh, Bob Mueller is trying to figure out. And, of course, the president has repeatedly denied that there was any collusion, that, they, that, he, had any, uh, that he had any knowledge of any cooperation with the Russians in an attempt to influence the election. So this is just a weird – this whole Paul Manafort thing, why the president continues to back him yeah. and suggest that he's just a good guy caught up in a bad thing. He's clearly a guy with a horrible history who made millions and millions of dollars doing shady, dirty deals overseas. I don't know why you want to you want to keep that guy on your team or at least keep him in your good Well, race. because he's going to pardon him. And that's the reasoning behind the pardon, right? It's going to be, oh, he's a good man. I've always said he's a good man. I don't see anything wrong. Nothing to see here. Let's move along. And Can I- we? Can we do something? By the way, that you mentioned that, and I totally remember. I was listening to John and Ken yesterday talk about Governor Brown's pardons and the number of pardons and commutations and everything. Can we just give him a limited number of those? I mean, presidents and governors. Just you get like five, just just five, not a thousand, not fifty. You get five, so you have to choose, choose wisely. wisely. <laughs> uh, all uh, right. CBS. Remember Charlie Rose getting fired. Over sexual harassment, CBS News staffers are very upset about this stalled investigation into Charlie Rose. We'll dig into that when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. Law enforcement holding a press conference as we speak about all the details of the borderline bar and grill shooting. Looks like Sergeant Ron Helis was ambushed by the shooter from a tactical position. We'll get all of the latest coming up around 11 o'clock. They also did confirm that he did shoot himself. That wasn't really in question, but the put a to kind of put a bow on that part of the story that he did take his own life after all of that. Uh, All right, so um, we talked a little bit before, and in 1230, we'll jump into this a lot more with this Paul Manafort story. The special counsel in a court filing yesterday suggesting that Paul Manafort had been lying for the last two months after he signed this plea deal and also about the, uh, the Guardian story that he had met with Julian Assange just months before WikiLeaks eventually dumped the DNC emails that were hacked into by Russian operatives. So we'll talk about that in the Swamp Watch at 1230. CBS, Charlie Rose, you know, you know, Charlie Rose was sacked from CBS after it was reported that eight women had accused him of sexual harassment, spanning decades, bunch of networks. PBS fired him as well because he had a propensity for, I guess, the old M.O. of answering the door with your with your robe on and nothing else and suggesting that the best way to get ahead in life is to uh, to perform things for him you know i had forgotten the details the particulars of the charlie rose story and it was better that and way it wasn't was it? a nice life it was, it was a happier time it was then. a happier time <laughs> thank you though um but <laughs> what was initially an investigation at cbs news specifically just the news department is now company-wide because um of les moonves les moonves was dismissed in september because of some claims against him and then the firing of jeff fager the longtime executive producer at 60 minutes for violating company policy as well. So it's been a very long year, according to the people who work at CBS, and they say no one is telling us anything. They don't know. 
they don't know how far this goes. They don't know if there's been any sort of uh, uh, confirmation of these allegations against these guys, these very powerful men. CBS hired lawyers to conduct the investigation into the overall culture of the company, and they said that they've talked to more than 250 people. But it's because it's being run by an outside law firm, there's no staff member, and there's nobody within CBS who's privy to any of the details. What do they want to know? I mean, all the details have come out, the the answering the, the door in a robe, the fact that he liked tall women, and he would uh, touch women, their arms, their shoulders, their waist, their back, pulling them close to his body, kissing them on the cheek, repeatedly asking women to have lunch or dinner with him, placing his hands on people's thighs. And, uh, the details are, are out and about and walking around. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the conclusion is. Is if, the conclusion if, like they're upset that, that people knew about Charlie Rose and they still have their jobs? Yes, I would assume that that's probably what the but here's question the thing. is. The culture, if the culture, like three three of the most powerful guys at CBS, in Les Moonves, Charlie Rose, and Jeff Fager, those three guys, if they were willing and able to get away with the things they got away with, or at least they're accused of, then there's a huge culture problem at CBS. Is there, though? Because whose role is it to pull aside somebody and say... You know, you're you're a little grabby. You're a little touchy. Nobody wants to hear about you know I mean? the if, models if, you used to get with when you were a younger guy. Right. I mean, like if Nick is, you know, gro- groping people in, in the office and stuff, is it really our role to say, Nick, can you not grope people anymore? In, like, it's is it is it my responsibility to no. stop that from happening? No. In all honesty, I would say, I mean, taking that as a serious thing. It would be Blake and it would be my responsibility and Blake's responsibility to call Nick out on being an apple. So it is. I mean, and so I mean this is, in a general sense. I'm not saying specifically within the office here today. Right. Because we know how grabby he could be. Yeah. So it is it is those around you's responsibility, but it would be yours and mine. Well, uh, why? Wait. So it's not my responsibility because I'm a woman. No, yeah. no, no. I wouldn't say that. I think it would be because it would be I would assume it would be more impactful coming from a dude. Oh, I and see. I don't, and again, I don't know if I'm saying this, and it's totally out of the... as I would be talking to him about it, he'd be like, you know, oh, yeah, whatever. Right. Because he already looks at women like that way. Right. Because Nick is not a normal... I mean, well, he just lets his animal instincts out a yeah, little too much. Like, sometimes. You can, you can pot them down. <laughs> you can pot <laughs> them down. Are your parents dump listening? dump that last minute. Are your parents listening? The, but I think that there is it's a, just sometimes there's a news story that that makes a teaching moment. Right. And 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 if you think we talk about this Nick, like Nick right there, that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about just a, a different a Nick, Nick. Viverka. Um, <laughs> I've always thought about these stories. I mean, we've been neck deep in the <laughs> in the stories of hashtag Me Too and Harvey yeah. Weinstein and everything. And I think the the biggest. Uh, the biggest deficit here is of good guys who don't stand up to other men. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is a guy who went to Harvey Weinstein and said, you get your damn mayonnaise hands off my girl, Biff. It's a really good point. There's a lot of but, weak but, men involved in these stories right. that we don't even know about. They're totally willing to look the other way. 
And it's the women. It's then upon women who have to come forward and say, yeah, I was victimized by so-and-so, et cetera, et cetera. Do you know who else was victimized by Harvey Weinstein? Your incoming first partner of the state of California. Oh, really? Gavin Newsom's wife. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I got that news alert over the weekend that whatever her name is, I forget Jennifer. It, Jennifer uh, Newsom will be known as the first partner mm-hmm. and, and that her her. Her platform, platform is, is cultural change. I read the entire article. You did? Uh, the entire thing. I was pissed off that that was an alert on my phone. Like, did I need to know that right when it crossed the wire? Did I need to know that she was going to become the state's first partner right. and that her platform was going to be cultural change? Because I was having a nice Saturday. I was having a nice little Saturday. I was watching Notre Dame, and, and then I get this alert. She, um, she taught Gavin the term... Toxic masculinity. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. Coming up next. Artificial intelligence and us. Yesterday we told you about Elon Musk saying that we need more AI. Like we need to literally implant it in our brains to protect ourselves from all the machines that we're building that will one day want to wipe out humans. They're going to change your language is what they're going to do. Yep. That's, that's how they begin. That's how they begin. The computers change your language, and this is how they're going to do it. We'll tell you when we come back. I'm glad I'm on my way out, not Gar- on my way in. Gary and Shannon will continue. Wait a minute. You consider yourself on the back half of life? Well, I mean, I'm glad done. I'm not a baby it's downhill right now. <laughs> not a baby right now. <laughs> Grow up with all this. Girl, you got to be right. Killing in your Levi's. High on your love has got me buzzing like a streetlight. It's still early. Gary and Shannon. So remember yesterday we were talking to Chris Ann Carlo, who was out there at NASA for the Mars landing, and we asked him how do those scientists celebrate, and he made a joke about them engaging in like a touchdown celebration that we're seeing all over the NFL. Yes. He wasn't wrong. There were two engineers that mimicked... A 49ers touchdown celebration. Right in the middle of the room, right? Right in the middle of the room. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a Fortnite-inspired celebration. (laughs) Marquise Goodwin with the 49ers caught it and retweeted it because he was one of the guys that that did the same dance after a touchdown in San Francisco. Hey, uh, last, uh, at the bottom of next hour, just a few minutes ago, uh, Ventura County officials updated... The Thousand Oaks shooting, the Borderline Bar and Grill, uh, they gave an update on what they have been able to determine. Obviously, people have been busy and distracted by the Woolsey fire recently, so this is going to be an opportunity for us to come back to that. About 1130, Andrew Mullenbeck is going to join us. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we also got news that um, from Nickelodeon that Stephen Hillenburg died at the age of 57. Stephen Hillenburg was the uh, creator of SpongeBob SquarePants, one of the longest-running series on tv especially animated series uh for for anybody but uh one of the longest running series he died from complications of als well have you noticed this in our company email uh yeah i know where you're going the little boxes that tell you what to yeah uh, like how you can respond you'll get an email from your boss or something saying hey can you uh stop by my office after the show and the email will prompt you to say something like yeah sounds good or no, can't make it. 
just little phrases that, yeah. you, and then you can just click on the phrase. It'll type that and send it back. Well, the computers have come for us. They have come for us, and they're teaching us how to speak because Google has a similar feature for Gmail that automatically completes sentences for you as you're typing. So you start an email with I love, and Gmail will pop in you or it, but they will not offer you gender pronouns like him or her. They say the risk is too high. To offer those Seriously. gender pronouns. All right. So Gmail product manager Paul Lambert was the brainchild behind this, uh, said that a company research scientist discovered the problem back in January when he typed, I am meeting an investor next week. And the AI that is Smart Compose for Google suggested the, pol- uh, the possible follow-up question. So you type in, I am meeting an investor next week. And the follow-up question is possible. You could choose was, do you want to meet him? Instead of her. What? How horrible. Your time is up, sir. Now. He says that not all screw-ups are equal with this smart composed technology and that gender uh, is a big, big thing to get wrong. Is it? Is it? Is it? I mean, I'm asking, it, I mean, I, I, you and I don't think it's a big deal. But, but then again, we would probably, for, for people who wouldn't fall, I don't even, hold on a second. I have to call this up because I'm not sure I'm going to do this right. Are you getting your gender bread person? Yes. Okay. So you and I would pr- probably, we have to be very careful. We are cisgenders. Yes, we are. And our things like our gender identity our gender expression, our biological sex, those are all clearly identified. We would be at opposite ends of the spectrum right. for, for that thing. There but are... for anybody who lies between those two points on the, on the gamut, this question of a computer accidentally suggesting the word him instead of her. I think that we might be... I don't know. I'd like to see a number breakdown of a sample size of maybe 2,000 people and how many of those people uh, land somewhere in the middle of that genderbred person. You know, we're on opposite ends, but I think that, you know, we might not be typical anymore. No, 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 no. It's not that. I think that in terms of the numbers. I think that gender's more fluid in terms of feelings. Okay, you're getting genderbred crumbs all over the table. <laughs> I would say that it's not that there are more people in the middle than there were before. It's that there's more recognition of the people in the middle than there were before. Okay. Because if you're if you're on one end of the gender um let's pick one of these. If you're on one end of the gender expression line as opposed to the other, you're more feminine, I'm more masculine in terms of our our presentation through our actions, our dress, mm-hmm. our demeanor, there are people in the middle who beforehand we would have not either paid attention to or not understood. Why does that woman want to dress like a man? Why does that man want to dress like so a woman? So isn't it better that we're understanding them and that we're getting rid of these uh, gender pronouns? Well, I'm not saying that it's not a good thing. It's just it is changing language, and it's suggesting that 
this is one of the worst things that you could possibly do to someone is is screw up the syntax in an email. Is that really the worst thing that you could do to somebody? Right now, in 2018, if you're Google, that's what you're thinking. They Listen, they believe that this is going to be good for business because getting this thing right, they said, demonstrates that the company as a whole, I mean, Alphabet Incorporated, understands how important it is to attract customers to attract people to the Google-powered cloud computing tools because it's not going to offend you with a three-word, uh, sorry, three-letter word that will throw your day into a tailspin. You know, the other angle to the story is we're so damn lazy. We have to have the machines craft our responses for us. Yeah. How, lo- how hard is it to say, do you want to meet with this investor next week? How hard is it to type that out? That takes seven seconds. That's what. I, that's why I have yet to I mean, click one of those we're, things we're, that comes yeah, up on our email. Because it's ridiculous. I mean, we're going back to hieroglyphic times. We're, we're, we're communicating using emojis and using sentences that are fed to us by the machine. I, I want somebody to do this on our specifically. I want the first two. So it gives us three responses. Nick says, hey, we have to pre-tape an interview at 9 a.m. tomorrow. And one response is, I can't make it. The second one is, got it, I'll be there. And the third one is, asparagus makes your pee smell funny. <laughs> That's what I want to see because it then then I would read those. Now I don't even bother because it just doesn't make any sense. I just miss the days of letter writing. No, you don't. You don't. I do. When's the last time you sat down and wrote a letter out of uh, – for nostalgia's sake. Nostalgia's sake. <laughs> nostalgia's sake? That sounds good. You had mashed potatoes at about 9.15 this morning. Wow. So. Hey, you're you're fat shaming me now? No, it was not fat shaming. I was food shaming. There's a big difference. We don't do that. We went over this. We yeah, we don't fat shame don't, in this house. <laughs> we don't food shame, rather. I asked the and, and by the way, I asked the entire office the question: Is nine twenty three too early for mashed potatoes? Yeah, but and Nick responded. Response. Nick responded with a resounding. I said, "Go for it." Uh, and then you talk. You were talking to your potatoes. You said, "Oh, yeah. oh you we're also out, this is like out you, Shannon you said, oh, your Tuesday." Potatoes, your, your you asked the- permission to heat up your potatoes. I wasn't too. even yeah. in the room, so you didn't ask the whole office. Gary and Shannon this will continue. Ridiculous. Did you finish them? By the way, I did finish them. Oh. They're delicious. Oh. Gary and Shannon, big news out of Washington over the past 24 hours is the president's ex-campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, accused of violating his plea agreement in the Russia investigation, the investigation into... Who knew about Russia meddling in the campaign? The president today accusing Bob Mueller of, quote, quoting here, ruining lives. He tweeted today that when the Mueller probe ends, it will become evident people's lives are being ruined for refusing to lie. We've got a topless picture of Gary on our Instagram uh, let's, page let's at Gary and Shannon. Let's that back a little bit. It's not really... I still have my top on. Hey, I'm trying to get hits. And get why is there, there's like a little tuft of armpit hair in there. You couldn't edit that out at all? Is there? Yeah. Way to ruin what what the glimpse was of. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Well, it's not, it's like, I mean, it's not egregious. (laughs) 
not like yours. <laughs> That's so mean. The bruise is a pretty good one, though. Uh, it'll turn colors here very soon. I mean, not like today, but uh, in a couple days. That thing's going to get gamey. We'll, get we'll chronicle it. Um, Cyber Monday as well. Yesterday they were estimating uh, almost uh, $8 billion in sales. That would be the largest shopping day in U.S. history. $8 billion. That would be a 20% increase almost from last year. Well, remember the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High in Florida. It looks like the fallout continues. Three assistant principals and a security chief have been fired or moved to other positions over failures, they say, to prevent that shooting. 17 people were killed that day. Apparently, a commission found that there were a number of failures by the school or the district, including communication breakdowns between police and school staff, as well as the lack of hard corners, the lack of, of, of places in each classroom where students can take cover. The uh, three assistant principals that have been transferred, Jeff Morford, Winford Porter, and Denise Reed, the security specialist, Kevin Kelvin Greenleaf, they have not been told, or at least we haven't been told, where they were uh, reassigned to. Today, there were teachers outside Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School protesting. The commission found that a student reported Nicholas Cruz's weird behavior, like, I don't know, researching guns on a school computer, saying how he liked to see people in pain, that a student saw this happening and actually went to that assistant principal, Jeff Morford, and told him about it. According to the student, this assistant principal told the student he should Google the word autism and promised the kid that Cruz was being withdrawn from the school. Now, the assistant principal denies that conversation ever took place, but it was enough for the commission to say, all right, you had a heads up on this kid, and you didn't let anyone know. Yeah. This You're is, done. This is a hard thing. I, I can't disagree with them being reassigned because you've got to have some amount of confidence in, this, in the school administrators for those kids to be able to go back to that school and uh, continue with their lives. The um, the update, by the way, legally, is that Nicholas Cruz is due back in court today for another hearing. Um, deals mostly with some procedural motions, et cetera. Uh, but he, the lawyers say that he would plead guilty to murder and attempted murder charges in exchange for a life prison sentence. But prosecutors have said that they won't do that in Florida. They will go after the death penalty in this case. All right, coming up next, remember that bombing of that spa, the day spa in Aliso Viejo? Killed its owner, injured two customers. Still trying to figure out who did the bombing. We'll tell you about that next on Gary and Shannon. Again, we do Swamp Watch every day at about 1230, where we talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C., some of the big stories. And today's is that the special counsel says that Paul Manafort has been lying since Paul Manafort, the former Trump campaign chair, signed a plea deal a couple of months ago. Bob Mueller says he's been lying his pants off. So we'll talk about that. There was also a story uh, regarding Paul Manafort that he met with Julian Assange from WikiLeaks a few times 
before WikiLeaks released the DNC emails that were captured by Russian hackers. So uh, it appears that that's going to be one of the things that Mueller has been asking Paul Manafort about, although WikiLeaks denied that that meeting ever took place and has uh, put up a million dollars as a result of that. Well, you heard in Tessa's news there at the top of the hour, the Ventura County Sheriff's Office has released more details into their investigation into the Shooting at the Borderline Bar and Grill, we will be talking with Andrew Mullenbeck about everything that came out in that news conference in just about 25 minutes. There was a story, I, I, you may remember the uh, the unusual name, Ildiko Kranjak. She was a 48-year-old woman who was killed in a day spa down in Aliso Viejo. It's been six months since that explosion. And you can still see very clearly the uh, results of the explosion, the, the rebuilding that's been taking place in the building where they housed that day spa. And even though there was a guy who was arrested, he was never charged. And we have been seeing since that investigation, uh, since it started, the FBI, the Orange County Sheriff's Department, going through on what they describe as a molecular level trying to find who is responsible for this. They are chasing every lead that comes their way. They're analyzing thousands of minute pieces of evidence, still asking the public for any help it can provide. Anybody who was in the area in the days leading up to the explosion. Um, a lot of people don't realize they saw something, but it could be something very important to the investigation. This is uh, a day spa where people go for facials, eyelash extensions, skin care treatments, that sort of thing. And there are several other medical buildings, a daycare center in the area. Hundreds of people would have been in the area in the days leading up to that explosion. They're saying, and we've seen this in multiple investigations like this, they're saying, listen, if you were there that day or anywhere near there, and you're thinking to yourself, hey, I may have seen something, but the cops probably already know it. They still want to hear from you because there is a possibility. It's a, it's a slim chance, but there is a possibility that you have a clue that they don't know about yet and that that clue may be what breaks the case open. They've been doing countless interviews, including some interviews in Hungary where the woman's relatives live, the woman who was killed. They have not determined a motive for the bombing, but they do believe that she was specifically targeted. The explosive device itself believed to have been assembled from items that could have easily been purchased at retail stores. Yeah, when they found what they believed was the bomb, they recovered a 9-volt battery, a mobile phone, and a bunch of melted goo that they have believed to be duct tape and loose wires. And that led them to conclude that this was, an ex uh, this was a man-made explosion. This wasn't some... You know, some piece of equipment in the day spa blowing up or something in the heating, air conditioning or anything like that. So here's how it went down. It was just after 1 p.m. when the explosion rang out. Uh, windows and doors in the bottom floor unit blown away. The ceiling of the day spa as well. Witnesses rushed to help. Um, they found two women walking outside of the building. They were covered in ash and soot. They had severe burns. Police quickly cleared the area, and that's when firefighters and the bomb squad went in and found that woman's remains outside of a broken window in a parking lot. That's when they found all the other stuff. Now, I remember the early speculation was, it was it a love interest? Was it her ex-boyfriend? 
Stephen Beal. Yeah, and they went so far as to arrest the guy because how do you? I, I mean, to, till this to this day, six months later, you still look at this and you think, how could it not be this guy? He was part owner of the spa. He and the woman had met through an online dating website a couple of years ago. He told investigators he dated that they had dated for a year and a half before their relationship cooled off over exclusivity and financial issues. Right. So Jealousy have, and money. So you have jealousy and money as a motive here. You have a man-made explosive device, and when they, when they search this guy's home, they find two completed improvised explosive devices, mm. three guns, chemicals and materials that could be used to build other IEDs all at this guy's home. He explained the explosives by telling investigators he had a model rocket hobby. Now, what are the chances that a guy who's into building rockets, model rockets, is also dating a woman who dies in an explosion? It's it's a quite a leap to suggest that maybe he was framed. You know, if I were to frame you for something, you'd I would, kill someone with a bottle of Chardonnay, right? And then say, "Well, I don't even, I don't even know where to get a bottle of Chardonnay, but <laughs> Shannon sure does. She has them delivered to her house. She's probably got some in her home right now." He acknowledged to agents that at one point he had made a smaller explosive device to help a neighbor with a gopher problem. Hashtag Caddyshack. Right. That he had built fireworks, including mortars, but stopped after September 11th because he didn't want to give the wrong impression. I. Now, his first wife, by the way, also died in a freak accident. The records of Christine Beale's death in 2008 say that her death was undetermined, the cause of death, undetermined, but mentioned some sort of pancreatitis, an electrolyte imbalance, chronic lead intoxication. Which is interesting because later when he was being, when he was showing up in court, his attorneys were suggesting that he also suffered from physical and mental health issues and that he had been on disability disability for lead poisoning. Hmm. Now, the U.S. Attorney's Office did drop the charges against this guy. Prosecutors explained that the devices that they did find may have been legal. He recently filed for bankruptcy. Several residents who live in his neighborhood said the only time they see him is when he comes out to get his mail. And at this point, they're not saying yes, and they ain't saying no. They're just saying maybe about whether or not Stephen Beal is considered a suspect or a person of interest in the explosion. This guy sounds like a walking, see something, say something. I say we lock him up just for his hobbies and trail of dead women in his wake. Wow. I know that we don't do that these days. No. But, but I mean, I, would, uh, I wouldn't not support that idea. Sounds fine. Um, I, to me, it sounds like the, the key is they need a specific key piece of evidence, and no one has come forward with it yet. And they're hoping that someone, whether it's dozens or hundreds of people who had access to that day spa in the days and hours before the explosion, that someone may have seen something. So this department, you know, uh, Orange County Sheriff's Commander William Baker said, told the Orange County Register, it could be something key that they saw that we, being the, the investigators, that we don't know. That's what they're looking for. Hey, we have our big Katarina's Club fundraiser benefit coming up next week. 
We're trying to help feed 20,000 kids a week in L.A. and Orange counties. It is our KFI Postathon. We'll be broadcasting live all day from Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove. This is next Friday, 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. We're accepting money donations, pasta, and sauce. You know the drill. Uh, if you can't make it, you can still help. For more details, you can log on to postathon.com. One of the deals is you can walk into any Smart and Final store in California, Arizona, Nevada, and ask the cashier about the $10 donation for KFI's Postathon for feeding Katerina's kids. You'll be able to donate right there at the register. And that donation alone provides meals to 14 kids. What are we going to auction off? I don't know what we're auctioning well, off. We're auctioning I believe off a the... baseball game. Are we going to go to a baseball game? We did that last oh, that's year. that's right. Yeah. We had an absolute blast when we did that. We did. And we sat in the fancy seats. The 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 very fancy seats. Yeah. Didn't somebody famous walk in? Yeah, they always do. Oh. There's always somebody famous that walks into the fancy seats. Because it's, it's Dodger Stadium. I think it was like Eric Dickerson That's and what, Anthony think, Lynn. I think you're right. No, that was the World Series. That makes sense. But usually there's famous people in the in the hallway. <laughs> I hate just, us. I hated that, what I just said. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the other time we were in the suite. <laughs> God. God, we're stupid. But that was when Tommy Lasorda came in, too. What? Yeah. How did I miss that? <laughs> you were out in the... I don't know. Because he just looks like a huge potato, and it's kind of easy to miss him. You watch your mouth. Yeah. Tommy does Even look like Even I potato. don't say that about Tommy God, Lasorda. lightning's going to strike in there. Doesn't mean... Wow. When I've gone... He's been at Quakes games out there in Rancho, and he just, like, sits there in the chair is like... We all know what it looks like to see Tommy Lasorda at a baseball game. You don't need sound? to create a Mar- word picture. When we come back... Poor man. He's, like, 90-something years old, Blake. And he was mean to me. Have so a little respect. He was, he was mean, mean to, me. to me. He was he mean to everybody. Me. He yelled at me. That's what he does. What is Jim McDonald going to do now? Maybe, uh, maybe he takes over for Blake one of these days. That'd be fine. We'll talk about the... Uh, he conceded the race for L.A. County Sheriff yesterday. This we'll talk about that one. just ridiculous. Gary and Shannon will continue. Oh, 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 I'm boring, so I'm taking my time on my ride. Gary and Shannon just watched Sarah Huckabee Sanders wrap up a uh, White House press briefing. And uh, nothing incredibly notable about it, uh, other than this was the first one since Jim Acosta had his hard pass reinstated. And do you know what he did? He has to follow up. He has to follow up question. Interrupted people and asked to follow up. Of course he did. <laughs> Because um, he has to make everything about him. There wasn't a whole lot in there. I mean, nothing new or anything spectacular. Um, was it uh, John Bolton got up there and spoke for a few minutes regarding the president's trip to the G20 coming up? And uh, Larry Kudlow got out there and started talking about a potential breakthrough in the uh, U.S.-China trade talk. So at 1230, we'll get back into that and talk more about what it is that uh, was said today at this press briefing. L.A. County Sheriff's Department is the largest sheriff's department in the country. Uh, it is the fourth largest local policing agency in, in the United States. And now we've got a guy who has risen to the rank of lieutenant to take the job away from Jim McDonald. 
This is a stunning upset for a seat that routinely goes to the incumbent. Uh, The incumbent hasn't lost this elected position for more than 100 years. I think the thing that bothered me most about Villanueva's um, campaign was his discussion uh, about ICE and whether or not there was a place for immigration and customs enforcement or whether there was a place for cooperation with Immigration he basically said he ran on the idea of uh, if I'm elected, I'll I'll go ahead and and not tell ICE. Yeah, although although, I, although he wouldn't prevent. I'll ICE. arrest you and then uh, not. And then it's our little secret. And then it's our little secret. I won't give ICE a heads up that you're here illegally. That is terrifying to me to hear from the head of a law enforcement agency. You know, if you've got a shot to get somebody out of the country who's a bad seed who's gotten arrested, who's done time. Don't you want to take that opportunity? Don't we want as many bad people out of our communities as possible? Well, and when you think about it, when you when you drill down into the policies that Villanueva was talking about, they don't change drastically from what uh, Jim McDonald had been doing with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. They, uh, He said that uh, Villanueva said that he was going to transfer inmates directly to ICE just outside the jail in a courtyard out of the view of other inmates. And he would honor requests from ICE to detain inmates convicted of serious crimes like we do right now. Right. It was just that he said that he was going to kick U.S. Customs and Immigration Enforcement agents out of the county jail system. And when you say something like that, well, then you're going to get endorsements from different uh, from different immigrants rights groups, which in L.A. County is a gold seal for you. And and even if even if Jim McDonald out fundraises you eight to one. There's that groundswell of support in the county of Los Angeles that allows him to squeak through. And, I mean, he this that's why this just happened yesterday. Jim McDonald just conceded yesterday because of how close this race was. I've loved Jim McDonald ever since the Bill Bratton days when they were both at LAPD before he went to, to Long Beach and then was elected sheriff. And it it's just a real loss to have him out of the local law enforcement community. I'd love to see him land back with the LAPD. There's two things that I loved. Well, I should say there's two guys that, to me, epitomized cops in L.A. Bill Bratton, even though his accent was not from here, and Jim McDonald, <laughs> even though his accent was not from here. There's something about that South Boston working yes. class accent. I that trust makes, that guy. Absolutely. I feel safe with that guy. Why is that? I don't know. I think it's probably from mafia movies growing up. Watching those. Yeah, but Whitey Bulger was an apple. Whitey Bulger killed a bunch of people. Yeah, but if you were uh, on Whitey Bulger's team, you felt safe. Until he turned on you uh, until to the he, FBI. Yeah, yeah until he yeah, that, uh, that argument just fell flat. It chopped off your knuckles but there and made was, you eat them. there was something about Bill Bratton and Jim McDonald. Yeah, and I loved it. I mean, they were, the, they were on the all-accent team in terms of uh, public leadership in, in Los Angeles. So what does he do? What does Jim McDonald do now? Does he go get a job at another law enforcement agency? Probably. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I hope. I'd love to see him stay in L.A. There would be nothing wrong with that. We just don't know. If, I mean, I don't know anybody that's that's looking for a new. Uh, Conway probably knows. Chief. They're friends. They hang out all the time. But those are some of the best conversations, by the way, is be- between Conway and Jim McDonald. Love listening to those. Absolutely. Well, and Conway's accent is nice, too. You mean from Ohio? Yes. Ah, rings summers in ohio it changed a man all i hear is cicadas when he's speaking
All right, coming up next, Andrew Mullenbeck will join us. Our big press conference this morning out of Ventura County about all of the um, details we haven't heard from borderline bar shooting, the timeline. We'll get all of that for you when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. think you're going to use those. Would you mind if I give those away? Uh, these L.A. Auto Show tickets? Yeah. And this gas card for yeah. $25? You don't need those, do you? No. How about this? The L.A. Auto Show runs from November 30th through December 9th. Right down there at the L.A. Convention Center. A thousand vehicles, including the latest cars, trucks, SUVs, tons of new electrics, concepts, and more. God, your son would hate this. <laughs> 60-plus vehicle debuts, Jeep, Mercedes, Porsche, BMW, or do you say Porsche? Nissan, Volvo, Toyota, many more. How about this? Um, pair of tickets to the L.A. Auto Show and a $25 gas card, courtesy of Shannon. Caller number six right now, 1-800-520-1-KFI, 800-520-1534. All right. We uh, have been distracted I guess you could say, for the last two and a half weeks, distracted by the fires that burned not only in L.A. and Ventura counties, but also the fire in Northern California, the ones that started literally hours after the shooting at the Borderline Bar and Grill in Thousand Oaks. And we, I don't want to say had to put it on the back burner, but we definitely talked about the fires a lot more than we did about the shooting in the immediate aftermath of what happened. Andrew Mullenbeck was at the press conference today when Ventura County authorities went through the details of what they know, including the timeline and uh, and what this guy was, was using that night. Andrew, what is the latest? Hey, good morning. Well, the first thing is officials say they're really no closer now to finding a motive than they were the night of the shooting a couple of weeks ago. For many people, that might be a source of frustration. Obviously, it's a huge tragedy regardless, but so many people in an an event like this just want to know if there's a why, and officials say they just simply don't have a motive so far. They've interviewed about 400 people, both people that were there at the bar the night, uh, people who know the killer. Uh, They haven't been able to determine that so far. A lot of uh, the shooter's electronics have been sent back to Quantico for evaluation to see what they might be able to work out there as to a motive. But one of the things that caught a lot of our attention was a bit about the weapons that the killer had. And Ventura County Sheriff Bill Ayub says the shooter had way more ammo than he actually used. The suspect fired a total of more than 50 rounds during the shooting. He had seven high-capacity 30-round magazines in his possession. Five of those magazines were found still fully loaded after the suspect took his own life. So he has these 30-round magazines, only two of which he actually used in killing 11 people and then ultimately himself. So he had way more ammunition for this handgun than he actually used. Of course, it wasn't said why he may have stopped or if he felt like he was being closed in on. We, we know that sheriff's officials were making their way into the bar, but he had way more than he actually used. As far as the handgun itself, that was purchased legally in 2016 at a gun shop in Simi Valley. 
So the gun was legal. The magazines in California are not. And investigators are trying to work out where he got those. They mentioned that it's pretty easy to get. If you cross state lines, you can buy them legally over there. They're not legal to have here. But he did have those extended magazines that he used. In addition to that, he had a folding knife. He had a flashlight with a laser sight attached to the gun. And as we knew earlier, he threw multiple smoke grenades that helped create all the confusion in the bar during the shooting. Also found out about Sergeant Ron Helis and a CHP officer uh, and what happened when they showed up on scene. And, and not only when, when they walked in and confronted him, but one thing that was also new here was that we learned eight other off-duty officers were in the bar that night. And not all of them with Ventura County, but eight off-duty officers were at the bar. And it's not clear how many, if any of them, actually had guns on them. Uh, you know, concealed carry kind of thing, but none of them fired a shot. Uh, so we know that. Isn't there that, some sort of rule where if you're drinking, you cannot have your service weapon, something of that nature? Well, that does sound like a logical thing. I, I'm not exactly aware of that because the sheriff was talking today as if they could have had, and we don't know that they were drinking. You know, maybe they right. were having a, a Diet Coke at, at the bar. Uh, so we don't know if they were drinking, but they were there, eight of them, and none uh, fired a shot. One of the other uh, things that came out today was looking into more of David Long's past and specifically run-ins with law enforcement because it has seemed to this point that it kind of popped out of nowhere. And really, there's only one run-in with law enforcement, and that was earlier this year. A neighbor had called police in April uh, to the family's home because this neighbor heard a disturbance. And this, again, is Sheriff Bill Ayub talking about what happened. During the incident, he had acted out by punching holes in the walls of the house. His mother confirmed her son's outburst was related to, to money. Deputies determined he did not meet the criteria for a mental health detainer. But in addition to that, a mental health crisis team also met with him, determined that he did not need to be institutionalized and instead gave him some job training or job resources and anger management offers that he could take. So we had both the sheriff's deputies and a mental health crisis team that met with him in April, and they both determined that he really didn't need to, to go to a clinic. And so that was really the only run-in he had, apart from traffic violations here or there, something like a speeding ticket. But, but that was it. And so, again, as investigators kind of started, they say, they're no closer to finding a motive now than they were at the beginning. One thing they did want to dispel is I guess there had been some rumors out there that a, an ex-girlfriend may have been at the bar that night of the shooting. Uh, they said that that was just not the case and that was not a motive for his going to that bar and shooting it up. Uh, but in terms of motive, you mentioned that they didn't have any hard um, evidence yet about what it might have been. That continues, right? They are still doing interviews for that angle of it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the interviews, again, more than or about 400 of them. But it, I think that the next phase of this and trying to work out a motive is going to be the data, the social media, uh, emails, whatever the case might be. And that's all being analyzed back in Virginia, uh, the FBI's office there. Uh, we, we don't know where they are in the process of that, but just that they're going through all of the electronics to be able to see if there's some connection there. One thing they did say is they have no indication that he was radicalized in any way, and we don't even know by whom, uh, but they said radicalization was not part of this, uh, but the motive, that's what they're looking for. Andrew, thank you. Appreciate it. 
Yeah, you got it, guys. Andrew Mullenbeck there, the latest on uh, this news conference from earlier today where the Ventura County Sheriff's Department released some details on the ongoing now investigation into the mass shooting at Borderline Bar and Grill. Did you see the story about this uh, California Democratic Party chairman on leave for sexual misconduct allegations? I didn't think they did that. Gavin Newsom said in his statement about this, sexual harassment has no place in the California Democratic Party. telling you. This guy, <laughs> you got you guys voted for Gavin Newsom. You guys got a uh, big oh, uh, giant uh, zero douche canoe big and a half zero in a expensive jacket. That's what you got. Complaining about toxic masculinity and, and I, I think you just say saying, sexual harassment honey? has no place anywhere. It has no place in the California Democratic Party. Like uh, Democrats are better than that. You can get uh, harassed all you want if you're a Republican. He's got a lot of cleaning up to do if that's the case. Good Lord. Gary we'll Shannon, we'll come back. Yeah. Just one second. Mm-hmm. My veins are blue and connected and every single bone in my brain is electric. But I dig bitches like the best of them. Gary and Shannon, NBC locally in Washington is reporting that police are responding to a report of an active shooter in a building at Walter Reed National Military Med Center. This is in Maryland. A couple of uh, tweets from some people who say that they are in the building and have been told to shelter in place. Uh, One from a person in a conference room said they were in that room with about 40 other people. After they had been told to, sh- to shelter in place, Walter Reed Medical Center, no details, anything about any shots that have been heard, uh, et cetera. But uh, I guess Congressman Dutch Ruppersberger tweeted out that he was stuck in one of these um, one of these conference rooms there, Walter Reed Medical Center, just outside of Washington, D.C. in Bethesda, Maryland, where they say that there are reports of an active shooter. But again, we've seen incidents like this before where the report does not pan out, that uh, somebody misheard um, inform- misheard something that may have been, they misheard as bullets that turned sure. out to be not. Um, but again, they're not taking any chances. Uh, there are people, again, I mentioned that congressman, uh, Dutch Ruppersberger, who tweeted out a little bit earlier that they, that he is in a conference room with people there walter reed medical center and may in fact be um on lockdown with a bunch of people the the, it reads i am currently at walter reed medical in bethesda where we've been told there is an active shooter i am currently safe in a conference room with approximately 40 others wtop reporter megan clarity says that according to nsa naval support the initial report of shots was from building 19 in the basement that area has been cleared. Now they're working to clear other buildings. Um, no one in, no one out until the campus is clear. So far, no indication of a shooter, according to WTOP. Yeah. So there's a possibility that this is uh, this is an incorrect report, and we can hope that it is. Uh, therefore, they would be on lockdown for, for no reason than just out of sheer caution. So that would be okay. We'll keep an eye on this. and If we get some more information, we'll definitely break in and bring it to you. California Democratic Party Chairman Eric Bauman went on leave today, yesterday, excuse me, amid sexual misconduct accusations by another party leader, Vice Chairman Daraka Laramore Hall. 
The decision, uh, Eric Bauman apparently made the decision after taking the holiday weekend to consider the most constructive path forward for the work of the blah, 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 blah. Eric Bauman went home and got an earful from his family for being an apple to other people. As I would fully expect, I would get from my wife if I were accused of something like that. I don't this. think she'd even bother. I think you'd go home and she wouldn't <laughs> be there. My stuff is just just packed up and ready to go. Yeah. Uh, at this point, they're not saying whether or not it was uh, paid leave. But in their, this case, they say Alex Gallardo Rooker, uh, Rooker, who is the first vice chairwoman, will act as the chairwoman during Eric Bauman's leave. Um, this is this is unfortunate, I guess. If you're a member of the Democratic Party, it's unfortunate if you are a uh, if you're a taxpayer in the state of California. It's even more unfortunate if you're a taxpayer who also donates money to the California Democratic Party because of uh, everybody dying on this hill that they are going to be the party of uh, anti-sexual harassment. The just absolute BS that exists in, in politics. It's such crap. I mean, there is as many bad dudes that are that are Democrats that are Republicans in positions of power in Sacramento, I would I would wager a guess. And Gavin Newsom puts out this statement. These allegations are very troubling, deserve a full and thorough investigation, and then says sexual harassment has no place in the California Democratic Party. Oh, why'd you say that? You're, you're the governor now. Why yeah. don't you just say sexual harassment has no place in anywhere? In my in, California. In the capital, in Sacramento, whatever. Why do you have to say that? It, it's almost implying that, uh, well, the it's Republicans. Okay over there. Yeah, it's okay for the Republicans to do that because that's what they do. Right. But here, we are better than that. We, we are would, above board. We would Dude, never. you cheated on your your wife with, like, your best friend's wife, right? Yeah, and let's not forget that. weird the, the, alcohol, cocaine, maybe, episode. This whole thing. You are not better than anyone. I, I know it was years ago. I know that what were we talking 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was, that he finally got it on with his campaign chairman's wife or yeah. what, just weird, weird politically incestual behavior. You don't then get to come out and say, listen, I know that I've done that before, but now yeah, I yeah. realize it wasn't me. It was my toxic masculinity that allowed me. To, to move in on my best friend's wife. That's he, he, what I he did. He pulled the rehab card, I think. Oh, God. To, to, I have a problem with alcohol, and now he, and now he only drinks wine. Like, like wine's not an alcohol. Right. He's a man of the people. Good Lord. Wearing $480 jackets to a fire scene, making millions of dollars off of wine. But, boy, he's really got you in his heart when he talks about toxic masculinity. And yeah. This, uh, no. Yeah. This guy is so fake. It's so bad. It, it, that's the thing with him. There's nothing genuine about that guy. You know, Eric Garcetti, hate him for his politics, but he he's a believer. He's a genuine believer in in, in the Democratic Party. I think Gavin Newsom would would toe any line that would get him to where he wants to be. Totally. He would say whatever he needs to say. And you have no idea who that person is underneath all of that expensive jacket to jacket Lurie. <laughs> the, jacket Lurie. It's the, like jewelry, but with jackets. The um, the allegations <laughs> against Eric Bauman came from two members of the Democratic Party. They were filed with the party's leadership by, like you said, Darak Alaramore Hall, the vice chairman. 
And she said in a statement that she had learned of multiple serious and credible allegations that Eric Bauman had sexually harassed and in some cases sexually assaulted people at these party events. So not only was he mouthy, he was handsy. And that's a lethal combination when you're trying to keep a political position. That he also, how about this, may have been involved in the witness tampering, trying to get people to stay quiet about what it was that he was accused of doing. Um, by the way, Duraka Laramore Hall is a man, and I apologize for my uh, Google AI not correcting me and suggesting that it was a woman. I can't believe I have made such an egregious error, and for that, I apologize. You're still not over that gender story, huh? Well, I... That whole um, Gmail not offering him or her as options story. The robots are going to tell us what to do. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to fall in line so I don't become a target. Do you want to call me she for the rest of the program? No. No. Her. Can I just say they? That way I don't offend anybody. About I'm what, not about a baby. Whatever, I am not a baby. Whatever gender bread <laughs> you got going on right now, whatever flavor that. Uh, Easy. Never mind. Easy. Easy. Blake, hit the thing. I'm Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we dive into all the political news coming out of Washington Washington today in Swamp Watch. Next hour, it's Tuesday, which means we'll hook up with Neil Savager for Tasty Tuesday. Have you uh, motored through all your leftovers yet? I was just going to say, and discuss what to do with five-day-old turkey. <laughs> Go that. All right. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. The big story out of D.C. right now is that naval support activity Bethesda has been investigating reports of an active shooter at Walter Reed Medical Center. And at this point, there are no signs that actually point to an active shooter, but all of the gates at uh, Walter Reed Medical Center and at Naval Activity, Naval Support Activity Bethesda have been closed until they can figure this out. Paul Manafort back in the news in the past 24 hours, of course, the president's former campaign manager. It, the news is that he held secret talks with Julian Assange inside the Ecuadorian embassy in London Around the same time he was working on the president's campaign, sources say that Manafort went to go see Assange in 2013, 15, and that spring of 2016 when he was a key figure in Trump's push for the White House. Um, WikiLeaks has pushed back on this. WikiLeaks says these things never took place. And one of the things that they did this morning was post a million-dollar bet, basically, that this story is going to be proven false. And second, just a little while ago, uh, they posted a couple of screenshots of the Guardian newspaper's website. One headline said, Manafort held secret talks with Assange in Ecuadorian embassy. The second one, 90 minutes later, said, Manafort held secret talks with Assange in Ecuadorian embassy, comma, sources say. 
So they've at least changed the headline, and whether or not they change the actual reporting of the story, that could uh, we'll see how it goes. Prosecutors also accusing him of lying to them and violating his plea deal. He's currently in jail in Virginia, convicted in August of uh, large-scale money laundering, failure to pay taxes. He pleaded guilty to further charges in order to avoid that second trial he was facing in Washington, looking at 10 years. Um, okay, let us... <laughs> Oh, good one. Let us pray for our friends in the romaine lettuce industry. <laughs> let us. It yeah, turns out. It. What? We got it. We all got it. The romaine emperor is gone. Sorry, the romaine empire. Uh-huh. Yes, Blake has one. Uh, no, I have a, a, a romaine situa- or story this Tell morning on my drive-in. Driving down, same old thing as always. There's this wall on the backside of someone's property. It has, like, ivy and stuff growing over it, you know? Just heads of romaine attached to said ivy, just hanging on the sidewalk. There was like a dozen heads of romaine, and I was going to stop and take a picture and stuff because I didn't understand what was going on. But there's just like just hanging off this ivy, romaine lettuce. So I think they're trying to poison the birds or something. That was a great story. <laughs> I'll press the, the button. The FDA. <laughs> The FDA now says I that, love you, that, Blake. that they have narrowed their no, they have narrowed their warning from last week, which was destroy all romaine lettuce. Now they're saying that the romaine that was linked to the outbreak that sickened so many people came from wait for it California, oh, no. specifically the Central Coast, and that within the next week. Uh, you will see labels on other romaine lettuce that tells you when it was bagged and where it was grown. Because in this about this time of year, the central coast, which produces so much romaine lettuce, sort of grow, uh, goes dormant. And then all of the, the romaine growing areas, Arizona, Florida, Mexico, uh, Imperial Valley, for example, down south, those regions sort of pick up when the romaine lettuce uh, goes cold in the uh, Central Valley, so or the Central Coast. So what they're saying is hydroponically grown romaine and romaine that's actually grown in a greenhouse are not part of this outbreak, but all of this will be spelled out in what we expect will be voluntary labeling that's coming out within the week or so. Sad news today from the Nickelodeon family. The creator of SpongeBob SquarePants has died. Stephen Hillenburg, just 57 years old, ALS. He had revealed he had been diagnosed with ALS in March of last year. He went to Humboldt State, graduated in 84, and uh, had a a degree with uh, resource planning, interpretation, emphasis on marine resources. Then became a marine biology teacher at the Orange County Marine Institute, now the Ocean Institute there in Dana Point. And that's how he kind of got going to think about these uh, characters that he came up with. He started writing and illustrating stories about the sea and its creatures and started using them as teaching tools with characters that would later become the inhabitants of Bikini Bottom. Uh, And then went to CalArts up in Valencia as well and got a master's degree in fine arts in 1992 in experimental animation. I don't know what that means. Do you guys remember the story about the... A gender reveal party that sparked a wildfire in Arizona. Yes. There is a video. uh, It's called the Sawmill Fire. And there's a video now that shows what happened. There was a a target placed way out in a brushy savanna, I think is the way producer Nick described it today. And 
once you shoot this target, it was going to explode with a powder, either pink or blue, depending on what the color of the, uh, the whatever gender of the baby was going to be, because they ascribe certain gender roles to colors, which I think is ridiculous. All but right. the uh, Border Patrol agent Dennis Dickey admitted starting the fire with this explosive target ignited this fire um, and that never really told. Oh, I guess it was the. Uh, it never told us what the baby was. Well, it was a redhead because of the fire. <laughs> it was a boy. It was blue. Really? Yep. Well, I don't know if we should even tell this story. The girl was clearly having just a bad night, and it's unfortunately made the news. She's a wedding photographer. <laughs> She had a good night. And she moonlights as a swimsuit model. Mm -hmm. And she's been arrested. Mm -hmm. She, uh, listen, we've all had that a wedding where maybe we had a couple too many pops. I'm listening. You know, and, And? uh, and, you know, you do something stupid. You find out that that guy was your cousin, actually. and Oh, no, nothing like that. But I remember up in Sacramento, there was this time when a group of us, at a wedding, decided to crash the wedding at the room next to us. Mm-hmm. And we went in there and were wedding crashers. And then we stole pumpkins from that wedding. I broke into the Sacramento King's Christmas party on my wedding night. See? We all have <laughs> a story. Different. I didn't so do what this woman this did. So this woman. She's 26, as we said, a wedding photographer. And it was in Texas. She was arrested after having sex with a male guest of the wedding and then urinating on a nearby tree. Now, why would somebody alert a security guard that she was getting it on with a guy in a room in the hotel? That didn't make sense to me. I don't know. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. It was not at a, it was not at a hotel. It was just an event venue, like one of those banquet halls. I don't Maybe understand that's why. Different. I don't understand why this is news. She got drunk. She had look, sex look. with a. That's why it's news. Because she's so hot. The, the New York so Post can, can post a picture yeah. of her in a bikini. Yeah, this is also, news. the part when she gets in the cop car and she starts yelling at them that them and their families and their children are all going to die. No. Dead. D-E-A-D. Oh, yeah. That's, you know she what? spell it. Blake, you are absolutely right. You cannot get into the back of a police cruiser and say, all families will be dead by Christmas. Mm. You can't do that. That's why it's news. And because she looks hot in a bikini. They found a prescription bottle of Alprozolam. Xanax. Commonly used to treat anxiety panic disorders. They found it in her jacket. She Pres- had that and the alcohol. Oh. And, uh, Drowsiness, nausea, confusion, sex, it's urination. Like a southwest flight from Cleveland to L.A. And spelling out threats. That's one of the side effects. D-E-A-D. Terror in the skies when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, in an update, we were watching what appeared to be an active shooter situation, or at least a report of an active shooter. Walter Reed Medical Center. There was a a report in the basement of one of the buildings at about 11.20, so just about an hour ago. So first responders cleared the basement. They didn't find any shooter. They cleared the rest of the building out of an abundance of caution. At least one member of Congress was in that uh, facility. 
Dutch Ruppersberger uh, from Maryland tweeted that he was there in a conference room, and then somebody else tweeted using his account saying the congressman was still sheltered and the mood is calm, but they hadn't believed any uh, additional details. How about this? They have determined that this whole thing was a drill. A drill. Is there nobody that tells anybody anymore when is we're going to do a drill? Is there not an email a... that goes out? I mean, we get emails every Friday about the refrigerator getting cleaned out right. over the weekend. And there's not even the every suggestion of gunshots Friday. there. Every single Friday. I mean, isn't don't they have somebody who sends out the building-wide emails that says, hey, we're going to be doing this? Well, that's the good news, that this was just a drill at uh, Walter Reed Medical Center. and But the bad news is they do not have email, I guess. Uh, it's time for terror in the skies. I believe he said it's time for time ter- terror. terror in the Flight 209, are you are cleared for takeoff? Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. Well, in this case, thankfully, there were no passengers, but there was a small plane that overshot its destination in Australia by about 30 miles because the pilot couldn't see. Because his eyes were closed. Because, because he, he fell asleep. asleep. D-E-A-D. This is like something Nick would do. <laughs> well, he gets tired. pilot? When is Nick going to become a freight pilot? He gets tired from time to time unexpectedly. I would, but if I was uh, flying a plane, I think I would stay awake. You roll the window down or something. Yeah, I would turn, yeah. Put some music on. The Australian Transport Safety Bureau called this a case of incapacitation. They did not say what woke him up, but he was able to go back to the place that he was supposed to land and uh, finally landed about uh, 30 minutes late. During the cruise, he fell asleep, according to the ATSB, in a brief statement, resulting in the aircraft overflying King Island by 46 kilometers. No way in the world that someone would have uh, should have taken on that flight. Fatigued is what they said. Uh, did you see the video? Uh, this is a different version of Terror in the Skies, but I, the video I, of this hang glider. I can't watch hang gliders when everything's going correctly. <laughs> there was a guy in Switzerland, Chris Gursky, goes to Switzerland and goes on a hang gliding trip where he is basically a passenger. There's there's going to be two of them holding on to the hang glider, the little triangle, dinner triangle thing with the wing on top of it. And the pilot is going to be the one controlling everything. Chris is just along for the ride. Except for the fact that after you get saddled up in your harness and you've got a giant carabiner on Mm -mm. your back, Mm -mm. the pilot never hooks the carabiner to the hang glider. Oh, so he's just got to use pure arm strength. Good old-fashioned arm strength at this point. And for about two and a half minutes, he was clearly... Just hanging on for his life. His left hand was on the bar. Oh. His right hand was on the pilot, trying to grab either the pilot's I harness, can't even. the pilot's butt, anything he could do to grab on and hold on and not fall off of that hang glider at about 4,000 feet. He tore his left bicep tendon, had to have surgery on his wrist. We just tweeted it out, and you can go to kfim640.com, keyword Gary and Shannon. It's right there. Mm. Whole video. 
I gotta watch this. It is not. Uh, <laughs> it is not a fun thing. If you don't like hang gliding at all, it's uh, it's worse when you're trying to hang on to the to the guy's belt loops so that you don't fall a couple hundred feet to your imminent death. And then finally, there is a, a new plane that's making its tour around the world. Uh, it is a Boeing and Embraer put together an E2 family of regional jets that does not have middle seats. Amen. That ever. There will be no middle seats in this whole thing. It's just one on the window, one on the aisle. And it's painted like a shark. Well, this one's painted like a shark. There's another one, if you look farther down, this one's painted like, oh, a like eagle. an eagle. Very, very cool. Um, but those I think all planes should be painted like animals. Was it? I think it was Alaska that had one that was painted like uh, like an orca. Yes, yes, yes. There, therefore, yes, yes. <laughs> All right. <I-E-S. laughs> we will go uh, live to the East Coast coming up next to find out what all this talk about Paul Manafort could mean for the former campaign chairman, uh, the president's former campaign chairman. Gary and Shannon will continue. So- Somebody put bottles of wine on our desk today. There's a tag on it. But the tag, but the tag is, is blank. blank. I wonder huh. if they used invisible ink. It's a mystery we have to solve, like an escape room. Yeah. Uh, we got bad news today from down the street, actually, from the offices at Nickelodeon. Steven Hillenberg died at the age of 57. Uh, he was the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants and was not just a cartoony guy. He was a really smart guy who had a degree in, uh, uh, among other things, uh, aquatic life. So um, Cyber Monday, also yesterday, sales estimated over $7.9 billion. That would be the biggest shopping day in U.S. history, up 18% from last year's total. Paul Manafort's plea deal seems to have collapsed overnight. That is where we begin with Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Bob Mueller's team accusing the former Trump campaign manager of repeatedly lying to investigators. Aaron Katersky is on the story and joins us. What does this mean for Paul Manafort and his... Oh, they hadn't really even come up with a uh, a sentencing guideline on Manafort yet. How does this affect how much time he may he may do? Well, they, they, they hadn't gotten that far yet because if he was, in fact, a cooperating witness, they would hold his sentencing open as long as possible to extract whatever information they needed to extract. Now, Paul Manafort is, is no longer considered a cooperating witness after the special counsel's team said that he was repeatedly lying to investigators and he wasn't living up to his end of the bargain. And so they asked the judge to move right to sentencing. And if he is not considered a cooperating witness, then you imagine the, the prosecutors would be in no rush to, uh, to, to offer him any kind of leniency. This doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't give up some good information. It just means perhaps that he stopped cooperating. 
Well, that's right. Uh, and we don't know specifically what he lied about. Was it something innocuous and, and maybe he didn't want to give up something about his family? Was it something so significant that he was willing to risk a potential life sentence and, and something about the president, for example. And, and many legal analysts already speculated that it's, uh, it's, it's Manafort's ploy to just secure himself a pardon by refusing to uh, cooperate, take his lumps, and then hope that President Trump makes good on the other end. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that that's going to be exactly um what happens here. So they filed papers asking for the court to move to sentencing immediately. His lawyers filed papers saying, no, he's been cooperating. What comes next? Well, the next will be a judge's decision to set a sentencing date. And at that point, um, there'll have to be a pre-sentence report for Manafort. Uh, the, the prosecutors will recommend a certain sentence. The defense will argue for uh, what is likely a different sentence. And, and then, you know, Manafort, in, in all likelihood, goes, goes to prison where he's been, of course, since he was convicted uh, on on many of uh, these similar charges in a different courtroom. Remember, the plea deal only involves uh, one of the, the two federal cases that he faced. So really not much changes for, for Paul Manafort other than he may have to stay in prison longer than, than he initially thought, unless the president comes through with some kind of a pardon. You know, for, for Robert Mueller, there's clearly a, a, a loss in a sense of somebody considered a key witness. They were undoubtedly hoping that Manafort would give them some information. Whether he has or not, we're not sure, but he he is no longer considered a cooperating witness, meaning he's not going to be called to testify at trial. They've already called him a liar, so he's not going to be you know credible in front of a jury. So if they should bring anyone to trial, um, that, that Manafort, you know, could have been a, a, a witness uh, in a case, they, they no longer have that option. A side angle to this is a report out of uh, uh, out of Great Britain that Paul Manafort was holding secret talks with Julian Assange a few times before WikiLeaks came out with the DNC emails that had been hacked by Russians. Uh, that would be very damning if, in fact, it's proven true. It kind of sounds like kind of collusion-y. To me, yeah. but, uh, got a whiff it, of it in there. Yeah, but look, um, we here at, at ABC News have not been able to independently confirm what the Guardian is reporting, so we're, we're we're not sure, and we're also not sure if that's something that maybe Paul Manafort was was lying about. If in fact he was lying to 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 the special counsel's team, but but that does seem like the kind of thing that would be a rather bombshelly kind of detail if in fact President Trump's campaign manager had met with the very source of all of the damning information about Hillary Clinton, uh, that that does seem to suggest a more direct connection than uh, than, than than ever has been suggested before. But you, again, we're not sure it's true. Do you guys know which one came out first? Was it the Guardian report about the Julian Assange meetings or was it uh, Bob Mueller's prosecutors saying he's lying to us? No, the the Mueller the Mueller team posted their court filing last night, um, about seven o'clock Eastern time. Uh, I, I think seven eight o'clock Eastern time, and then it was today when the Guardian uh, late this morning posted the information about okay. the uh, the reported Assange visit. Okay. They could have well, been sitting on that, I guess, yeah. and then waiting for the right time. It to... will be interesting to see it because Wikipedia, or sorry, WikiLeaks has um, has pushed back saying that this is not true and that in fact the Guardian has changed at least their headline on the story uh, since it was originally published. So, 
Uh, well, in fact, we, we just got a statement from Paul Manafort to say it's totally false and deliberately libelous. He said he has never met Julian Assange or anyone connected to him. Manafort's statement we, this just popped in. Uh, he says he's never been contacted by anyone connected to WikiLeaks, either directly or indirectly, never reached out to Assange or WikiLeaks on any matter. All right. Aaron, you thank go. you very thank much. You, we appreciate it. With the late-breaking detail. <laughs> huh? You heard it here first. Aaron Katursky there live in New York with the latest on uh, what's been going on with Paul Manafort. I like that word, too, collusion-y. Um, visitors who go to the Ecuadorian embassy usually have to register with security guards at the embassy and show their passport as proof of identification. But according to sources in Ecuador talking to the Guardian, Manafort was never logged in. So that either means he wasn't there or they just thought, you know, they wanted to keep it secret and didn't want him to register. So, Well, Nancy Pelosi looks like she is close to securing the votes to become House Speaker. But the Democrats rallying around her or behind her, I should say, may have some self-serving interest in getting her back into that seat. We'll tell you all about it when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue with Swamp Watch. Clear at Walter Reed Medical Center there. Officials saying there's no indication of an active shooter. They cleared the basement of a building there where there was an active shooter reported. It turns out there was just a drill going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we are in the middle of Swamp Watch figuring out what's going on in Washington, D.C. And uh, for one of the big headlines today is who wants to get to Washington, D.C., In Mississippi, they are choosing between Republican Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith. She would be the first woman ever elected to Congress from the entire state of Mississippi, either House of Congress. And then Democrat Mike Espy, her Democratic challenger, would be the first state's African-American U.S. senator since Reconstruction. Um, It turns out that they are going to finish out the term of another senator who left back in uh, in April for uh, for illness because of health problems. And then the there's enough left in the term that they have to do a special election. Today is that special election. Thankfully for what goes on and what we've seen in the last couple of weeks in terms of uh, ballot problems, there's only one race on the ballot. So that should make things pretty swift and easy in all of these different um, uh, different precincts through there. But the president was there last night doing a uh, campaign rally on behalf of Cindy Hyde-Smith. And sounding like uh, like his his old self, really, yeah. talking about the dangers of illegal immigration, painting Democrats as radical socialists. Um, speaking of Democrats, so Nancy Pelosi may be the next Speaker of the House, or I should say, again, the Speaker of the House. And you heard from some Democrats that there was a little bit of opposition there. Uh, Gilsis Narrows would like to throw his hat in the ring to 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 get into that speaker's office. But as the talk of opposition got louder, Democrats, a number of Democrats and new Democrats there, decided to back Nancy Pelosi. But it's all about taking over once she's done. It's all about who's going to be the heir apparent for her. Yeah, uh, was it? I think it was Marsha Fudge, the Congresswoman Marsha Fudge, who was the sort of the 
dark horse candidate. She was going to be the one who would come from behind and sweep away the speakership from Nancy Pelosi with all of the new support from these newer Democrats uh, like Cisneros, et cetera. But there's a bunch of other people as well. Uh, Congressman Ben Ray Lujan from New Mexico, uh, who helped usher in the majority as chairman of the House Democrats campaign committee. He is running unopposed, apparently, for the number four job as assistant Democratic leader. You've got others, number two and three, Steny Hoyer of Maryland, Jim Clyburn of South Carolina. Those It looks like those three sort of have their positions locked up with Pelosi, Hoyer, and Clyburn. It's from that point down that you get some of these new, young, more diverse uh, members of Congress who are expected to go in there. Well, I saw Katie Hill making a big point on social media about backing Nancy Pelosi. Uh, I I had a conversation. One of the political conversations that came up over Thanksgiving was about term limits and the idea that someone like, I mean, on the other side of Congress, someone like Dianne Feinstein wields an absolute metric pant load of power when it comes to the, her position in the United States Senate. So you could argue whether you voted for her or not. You could argue that Dianne Feinstein is important to have as a senator from the state of California. But, but my argument is when Congress was set up, when those very smart people got together and said, hey, let's do it this way – They never thought that there would be people who would be in the Senate for 30 years at a time or who would run for 13 consecutive two-term, two-year terms in Congress. That was never the intention, that there would be enough turnover that you would have actual dynamic representation of the people that were, you know, the people and the places that make up a very diverse country. And it's hard for me to believe that anybody wants Nancy Pelosi back there, back in that spot. Not even necessarily because you disagree with her politics, but she's had her shot. Can we recycle well, some but, new blood in well, here Well, here's something? the only thing I can think of. Not the only thing, but a, a major thing I can think of. As Democrats swarm in there to take uh, the oath of office there and in January take control, you're going to need somebody who's been there for 400 years to maneuver all the crap they're going to throw at the president. You know what I mean? Whether it's subpoenas or imp- they, you, you need somebody who's going to be able to navigate the the they want a veteran dangerous waters of. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You can't be a freshman congressperson come in and and lead the Democrats in an overthrow of the president. Well, and that that's a frustrating part of it, it that that this system without term limits has allowed to occur that you that you have these veteran generals in politics like this. Who would organize, orchestrate something like that as opposed to just a normal run of the mill? I'm going to serve for two years, maybe four, maybe six, but then I'm out of there and I go back to my day job instead of being a politician. They get eaten up and chewed out by the by the veteran politicians. By the way, uh, side note on Dianne Feinstein, about a month before all those pipe bombs started showing up at the homes and offices of prominent politicians, Feinstein got a serious bomb threat, according to uh, court documents just released. There was an intern at the at the field office on Santa Monica Boulevard that answered the phone back September 26th. The man on the line said he wanted to confirm the address of the office and got mad and blurted out he was going to bomb the place. The intern told the supervisor who talked to Capitol Police they had a search warrant for the phone records of identifying the guy. 
They still haven't figured out who it is. Oh. But it was a mu- it was a a month to the day that the first pipe bomb showed up. We uh, a little bit earlier in the show talked about how AI uh, Google's new AI was going to block gender based pronouns in its uh, you know when it would come up with ideas about how you would compose your emails. Medieval Times has not gotten on that boat just yet. We'll talk about how some people are criticizing Medieval Times Gosh, for not having utensils. I can, I, can, I can tell how mad you are about this. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. I can tell by the tone of your voice. We'll do that next. On the next episode of The Gary and Shannon Show. Sometimes I feel like giving up, but I... Shannon. Big story out of D.C. today is that uh, Bob Mueller says that Paul Manafort has been lying. Former campaign chair for then-candidate Trump was called out for repeatedly lying since he signed his plea deal a couple of months ago. So looks like they're going to try to throw the book at him when they get to sentencing. Sarah Sanders says she's unaware of any conversations about a potential pardon for Paul Manafort. <laughs> Even though... Rudy Giuliani told CNN today that he has been talking with Paul Manafort's lawyer all the time, I think is the term he used. The Guardian newspaper out of Britain also reported that that Paul Manafort was meeting with Julian Assange, Julian Assange a few times before WikiLeaks released its DNC emails that had been captured by Russian hackers. So uh, that could be some WikiLeaks that says that never happened. Paul Manafort said that never happened. So the Guardian uh, is trying to Make sure that their sources are correct on that story. Medieval times and 2018 do not gel together. Well. The company's corporate leaders began planning the change two years ago, they say, before the Me Too movement. Their script at 10 locations in North America at medieval times has been changed. Yeah, instead of the king... And his princess presiding over the joust and the lord from the neighboring kingdom asking for the princess's hand in marriage. And the king answering on behalf of his beautiful princess. That's, that doesn't do it now. No. The, the princess now has a voice. Apparently we can't have princess stories anymore. No. Nobody wants a princess story. I want that, a princess. No, you don't. You don't want a princess story. I think story. they're nice. I think Wonder Woman stories are nice. And I think princess stories are nice. And I don't think that you should have to choose between the two. Actually, you, to be technical, you know the Wonder you, Woman story is a prince story. Can't you... That's her name, Diana Prince. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Can't you... Let's go back to the genderbred person for a minute. You want me to pull him back up so we know what he's looking at? Can't you enjoy she, a Wonder they. Woman story and a princess story? Can't you be a woman who appreciates both of those storylines? Can't you just be somebody who appreciates... A story. Exactly. My point. Uh, the script has changed. If you haven't been to Medieval Times anytime recently, the script has changed. So instead of the king and his princess and the knight and they it's fight. It's all blah, presided blah, blah, blah. over by Donna Maria Isabella, modeled after a Spanish queen, even though she has a Portuguese title and speaks with a British accent. Okay, time out. Time out, time out, time out. Such appropriation. Uh, the, 
the person, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna assign a gender because I don't know how Mara identifies. The person who wrote this article is already offended by things like names and titles and somebody in a dinner theater who speaks with a British accent. So let's just let's just use that as the jumping off point for why someone gets so butthurt about medieval times. <laughs> yeah, this uh this writer does not like the fact that some women who serve the food and drinks are called wenches. What? Writing in some ways medieval times is still in the dark ages. <laughs> I love it. I love it how she used the term medieval. I'm sorry. You don't know if it's she. You're right. Gosh, darn it. I need some sort of a ge- Blake Think of something that would be a gender pronoun warning system that if I were to say an inappropriate she or an inappropriate he assigning a specific pronoun to somebody who I don't know, that I would be warned. Wait, prior to you doing it? No, no. If you catch me doing it. Oh, why can't we have the microaggression, microaggressive chimp come back? Uh, I suppose we could, but... I just don't want to appro- That's that's kind of triggering to some people. I just don't want to appropriate microaggressions. Right. Or is that a macroaggression? Yeah, see it could be a be, macro for some people. You don't know. Totally you don't know what you're dealing with. Point. All right, um, it's just anyway. the aggressive chimp. So the women who serve food and drinks are called wenches. They wear corset like uniforms, she or he or they write. It's just part of the job, said one wench. Some of the men want to call me that. They're like, grab me a beer, wench. It's in a playful way. Other wenches, she writes, weren't as agreeable. Yeah, I it's get a it. little degrading," said a gift shop wench. Uh, can you say that? Why do you apply for a job if you already think the title is degrading? Though? If you if the if the job is to wear a corset and be called a wench and you don't like it, then don't apply for the job, right? Yeah, like well, I think people who go to the Renaissance Fair know what they're getting into. Let me ask a question about going to see something like this. Do you believe that there should be <laughs> the whole idea? To, here's the there thing. should be knights who are more feminine. No, here's the whole thing about going to a place called medieval times. You're going to a show about medieval times. Okay, now you're not going to 2018 to watch jousting. Right. You're going back in time. So shouldn't we keep everything intact the way it was? This writer except, gets upset when the knight when the knights of her court hand out flowers to women in the audience. Yes, except, apparently you cannot hand out flowers to women anymore. That is uh, that is a Me Too violation. Channeling Jim Carrey here. keep your flowers for yourself. They did not have handing Pepsi out, and Diet Pepsi in medieval times. Handing out because flowers. Because you still get to. Wait, but, you're an, but you're an audience of that time era. Like that, you're, right. you're, you're, you're a it's very interactive. But that's what I'm, but you're have breaking. Have you seen Cable Guy? It's breaking the wall into, so you can have like an eye into it. What, okay, so we're all just going to serve everyone mead. All the seventh graders there on their on their field trips just get to drink a bunch of mead. And- Everybody knows the drinking age was twenty four. I mean, in the you, med- listen, times. you don't have to be a stickler for the rules, Hoffman, and say no, it I- should all be by the book. It should all be, but by- no, it's the show that you're there for. It's the jousting. It's the whole theatrics with the princess and the king and the knights. And the fact that she takes issue with the knights handing out flowers to women in the audience is troubling to me. It's one thing to take issue with the corsets and the wench title. Fine. 
But if you're going to go down the road of saying men can't give women flowers anymore because it makes women seem Ooh. weaker or something, you got too that's insane. There. Well, I have a question to ask, and I'll ask it when we come back about this sort of a thing, because it's not just medieval times. There are changes afoot and other great stories that we've heard of because they have what uh, I don't even know if you could use the word traditional gender roles in it, but that that has become a bad thing. And I, I have a question about when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue just a moment. See, you're the one. Now you're the one who's upset. Well, about you've all been it. obsessed with genders all day, and now it's ab- upsetting me. I mean, not your obsession, but that story upset me. <laughs> I don't understand if we're doing a show about medieval times, right. why we can't keep it about, I don't know, the freaking medieval times. All right. I'm going to write down my question right here, and I'm going to ask it when we come back. All right. Gary and Shannon will continue. I'm in deep with this girl, but she's out of my mind. She's not complicated. Gary and Shannon. Welcome to Medieval Times. I'll be your serving lunch, Melinda. Might I fetch you something from the barkeep? Dost, dost have thou a mug of ale for me and me mate? He has been pitched in battle for a fortnight. And has a king's thirst for the frosty brew, thus thou might have for thus. I'll be right back, my lord. My thanks to you, fair wench. Welcome to a magnificent journey into the past. This is medieval times! Can I get a knife and fork? There were no utensils in medieval times, hence there are no utensils at medieval times. Would you like a refill on that Pepsi? There were no utensils, but there was Pepsi. Dude, I got a lot of tables. tables. We're talking about medieval times. And for the first time in a long time, they have a queen. So they have the queen who is the head of the show, basically. But, and she makes all the calls. But there is a writer for the Washington Post who may be a woman. I don't, (laughs) sorry, I don't know. I don't know how Mara identifies, but. Mora is very upset that it, there are still some very entrenched gender roles at medieval times. Here's my question. Who assigned this story is my question. <laughs> who at the Washington Post said, hey, who haven't we taken down with this Me Too movement? Who's, whose business have we not infiltrated with this uh, agenda to, to make sure that that women are not seen as lesser than in every in every different area of life. Oh, I hey, somebody in that meeting's like, oh, let's see, well, it's infiltrated pretty much everything. But, you know, there is that medieval times show in right. Anaheim. Yeah, we got to get that. Linda, I'll tell you who, Linda Mitchell. She is the president of the Society for Medieval Feminist Scholarship. Stop it. And That's a professor not a at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. And I quote, It's just another form of objectification, isn't it? To claim that putting a woman on a pedestal gives her power just means that she's standing somewhere where she can't get down without help. What? What is the value? I think there is some. But what is the value of changing the genders of characters in stories like this? 
Medieval times itself didn't change. The story did. The story went from a king basically having uh, the say over who her, his uh, daughter, the princess, marries, has changed to a queen, and the queen having control over her queendom, because you can't say kingdom. Why even have historical fun things like this if you're not going to stick to the script of history? You know, and, and, well, and furthermore, if Lin- you want to introduce a plot where there's a queen and, and not a king, fine, work it in. But don't change the entire thing. Yeah. I, and they didn't. But Linda Mitchell, again, president of the Society for Medieval Feminist Scholarship. You may want to look into joining that club. Sounds like an absolute blast. She says things like the word wench was insulting. It was insulting then just as it would be insulting now. And that's an insult that's thrown around by everyone who works at medieval times, basically. She said... She's never been to medieval times, of course, because, quote, I try to avoid things like that. Another uh, article from Mora, uh, another latest article is the new Starbucks juniper latte takes, tastes like one too many gin and tonics. That's in the Washington Post? Yes. What are they doing? Two words will tell you everything about Thanksgiving novelty snacks. Gravy candy. I know what's happening with Mora right now. This is what's happening with Mora. Mora has a degree in journalism from George Washington University. She was a fellow, a journalism fellow for USC. Mm-hmm. Mora's been stuck covering food like Starbucks and the new Juniper Latte and uh, gravy candy. And uh, <laughs> let's see, a new easy to peel avocado. Mora is better than this. Mora wants to advance to the better assignments. So she took her little story about medieval times and decided to make it a bigger story than it was, right? Make it a bigger issue so she can work her way up the, uh, the ladder there in the newsroom. That's what this is. Well, let me ask and you. And I get it. Let me ask you. And I, I, We've again, all done that. We've all, we all have to work our way out of those crap stories to be taken more seriously in the newsroom. Start calling We've some all of your been own there. shots. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what is the value, though, of changing the gender of characters in stories like this? And it's not just gender, because you can ask the question different because, ways. Uh, well, because women get to be the boss in right. this version of events, and all little girls should realize that they can grow up and be the boss. Right. And that's if you change the gender of a character. Yes. What if you change the race of a character? And fictional then, characters. Then whatever race the little child is, they see themselves in that character and realize that they get to grow up and be the boss. And what if you changed... The location of a specific story, which at that point would be sort of the ethnicity, perhaps, of the characters of a story. Um, probably not much. No, but but you would be able to see, like, for example. If you do, like, the inner city version, then, you know, all those big castles and stuff, those happen out in the country. And you might think if you grow up downtown. Yes. That it's it's different there. West like, Side Story versus Romeo and Juliet. Right, exactly. So there's there's there can be a value to this. There can be a value to changing, altering Stories like this to make them appeal to a different audience, right? But what I don't understand is why Mara feels like you get to attack medieval times. Well, because they still do things like hand out flowers to women. Yeah, that's that's too far. That's too far. But uh, I I see what she's doing there. And you know what? We wouldn't be talking about her story about the medieval times if she did not go that far. (laughs) Well, in that case, Mara. 
Um, hey, you were a young reporter too. One point. Be a, nice. A story about medieval times. And Be nice. I just feel bad for her. I feel for Mora. Do we? Why not? I've, that would make me feel better. Let's do that. Wipe our palettes. Let's give away a Blends pair of tickets. Palettes. What'd you say? Wipe our palettes. <laughs> you know we're still uh. a little rusty. Okay, it's only our second day back. We are giving away a pair of tickets to the L.A. Auto Show plus a $25 gas card. How about that? Auto Show running from November 30th to December 9th at the L.A. Convention Center. We're talking 1,000 vehicles, the latest cars, trucks, SUVs, tons of new electric vehicles, concepts, and more. Caller number what? Six. Six. Love it. 1-800-520-1KFI. 1-800-520-1534. Yeah, it's time to call. Come on, it's time to call. Let's call. Yeah. When you uh, open up that fridge today and you still, you see you got five-day-old turkey left in there, Mm. we're going to talk with Neil Savage about what to do with that turkey. Is it still thawing in the fridge? Is it still on top of the oven? The dryer. The dryer. No, it's not. Okay. It's in the fridge at least. Okay. Gary and Shannon will continue. It's crazy, crazy world out there. Baby, baby, don't be scared. Cause I got you and you got me. We can set each other free. Gary and Shannon. Watching the uh, vote in Mississippi today. Deciding between Republican Senator Cindy Hyde Smith and Democrat Mike Espy, the former congressman, secretary of agriculture. It's one of those uh, races that the president has been involved with. He was there to uh, campaign on behalf of Cindy Hyde-Smith yesterday as well. So we'll get some of the details and hopefully some of the the vote counts by later tonight. You want me to do one more? Cyber Monday, sales estimated over $7.9 billion last night. Biggest shopping day in U.S. history, up 18% from last year. Hey, Nick. Yes, Shannon. What did the corn say when he got complimented? I don't know what. Aw, shucks. <laughs> Let me teach you how to eat. Let me teach you how to eat. I feel like it's Saturday. <laughs> it is not. The song screws with my mind. It is not on Saturday. On a Tuesday. Tuesdays, 1.30, we get to welcome in Neil Saavedra, fork reporter, talking all things food and imbibation. Wow. Uh, Look at you. I just made that up, I think. I don't, yeah, I don't know that that's (laughs) imbibing, imbibation. Imbibation? I think I had it right. I think I nailed it. Imbibation. Um, hey, we're talking your, uh, about imbibation. That's good. Imbibation is not a word. Um, Neil, how <laughs> yeah. was your holiday? It was good. It was uh, quite wonderful. I didn't cook one thing. You didn't? Mm-mm. Not. Uh, I did the show. I filled in for Bill Handel on Thanksgiving morn, as I am one to do. And then um, my in-laws, they, they did everything. So I went, feasted, and enjoyed that's kind of have it. That's kind of like having, you know, uh, it's having Frank Sinatra like, come over yeah. and having him not sing. Right. Thank you. I was wow. looking for an analogy. I was going to say it's kind of like having Hoffman around a plane and him not in the pilot seat. Yeah, not flying. But no, I just sat there and just said, "Wench, get me more food." It was great. <laughs> oh no, you can't do it anymore. My meat yeah. is low. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to drink itself. That's great. Yeah, it was, but it was fun. I was actually planning 
on hosting this year, and then it switched to Tracy's family. It's a nice so. surprise then, huh? It kind of was, because <laughs> I love doing it, but um, not doing it is really fun, too. Yeah. <laughs> Last so. year, we didn't host Thanksgiving. We went to my parents' place, but we bought a turkey anyway, like on the Friday after. Because it's you know four cents a pound or something crazy like that. Because nobody wants a nobody wants a Friday turkey. Oh no, I'm, but, but I, man, that's what I'm going to do. So, it is so good. So should everybody be done with leftovers at yeah. this juncture? Wait, yeah, yeah. What do you mean, now, what do you mean by done with them? <laughs> if they're not in the freezer, um, then you might as well go eat. Poop lettuce because it's. <laughs> I just had them for lunch, so yeah. we'll see how this goes. Make a little uh, turkey sandwich with a yeah. romaine wrap around it. I was Get all that poop do, lettuce. I was just... going to do a final turkey sandwich this evening. No, you you listen. You could probably pull it off. No joke. You're probably going to be okay. But I always err on the side of caution because you're talking about four days is where you want to kind of keep it if yeah. it's in the fridge. Because there's a lot of variables that people don't count. They go, oh, yeah, I put it right in. No, you didn't. The thing was sitting out on the counter way longer than two hours. True. And you're better off freezing it and then figuring out what you want to do with it. And it'll last longer. But people keep them in the refrigerator thinking, I'm going to use them as leftovers. And then they push it. And then day seven, they go, gosh, now I really want that. You were better off putting it straight into the freezer. And then, then you could take it out. You know, at your will. Not to cross streams here. Are we talking biblical three days? Are we talking like you want to count them? No, like literal 24-hour periods. Not on the third day he rose. No, no. It was I was really like, like the Friday, Good max. Friday versus the Sunday. Yeah. The three days. No, I get it. Okay. I get it. I, I uh, produce just, a show that has a lot of theology. Hey, did right. Jesus <laughs> say anything when somebody would sneeze? He said, shut up. I'm trying to pray in here. That's, I mean, I don't have... Like biblical references for that, but that's how I perceive it. Got no, it. there was nothing that that actual that superstition came much later. That's yeah. a Catholic thing. Yeah, much yeah, later. We had Blake over there on the Christ desk do our research for us. I was just wondering if you know he said anything else. It was Gregory the Great. That's where it came from. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, Blake, how many leftovers are you working with over there at the Doan household? Um. No, most of ours got used up. Mine, uh, my mom turns the day after. Mm-hmm. She uses all of it in a minestrone soup. That sounds amazing. All the That's turkey good, and yeah. stuff. So, no, mine was from my girlfriend's house, and today was the last day. Day five is always my, like, all right, everything needs to be gone on day five. Yeah, nothing lasts in your mom's house because um, her entire litter still lives there. No, just me. <laughs> no, just me. My brother ha- is married, has a kid, lives on his own. My sister's married, has a couple kids, lives on her own. It's just me. Are now, you going to we- wait till you're married to move out? Um, I don't anticipate that being the plan. Okay. No. When you say that they have their own family and they've moved out, it's not like on a compound. It's not like in a shack Why in the do back. You think oh, they that would be cool if we had enough land for a compound, man. Ooh. Oh, you hit the they, nail on the head. Yeah. You profiled correctly. See? I didn't see that coming. Could you imagine yeah. that? No, but uh, no, my, my brother lives like 15, 20 minutes away. My sister lives 10 minutes away. So no, they're, they're how, old their own. Are, how old are you, Blake? I am 27 on Thursday. This sounds like a Jesus call. Yeah. Well, is your mom around? Can we get her on the phone? Yeah, Petra for Money have done this segment before. By the way. She loves having him at home. I had more people compliment that Thursday show. Uh, You talking to people about, you know, what they do with the turkeys. You know, they just pulled it out four in the morning and it's frozen solid. What do you do? And it was fantastic. Did you hear? Uh, I got a 
prank call um, on Saturday. A guy called up and said, "Yeah, all the turkeys, all the turkeys were gone in my local store due to uh, salmonella. So I um, had I had a possum in my backyard, and I <laughs> shot the possum and with a twenty two and uh, cooked it. And so I I was pretty sure he was a crank call. So I said." Uh, I said, oh, did it did come out pretty dry. They tend to be pretty dry. He goes, yeah, it was a little dry. I said, possums are the greasiest meat you will ever come across and couldn't be dry if you cooked it for four days. Thanks for calling. <laughs> like, they, yeah, I it was gotcha. it was, it was And, and, and uh, Amy King goes, not only was that wonderful that you caught him, but that you knew that yeah. possum was going to be right. super gamey. That was like the the courtroom scene in my cousin Vinny catching yeah. him up with that detail. Yeah. See, you know, like or, the tire marks or Brady Bunch where he threw the briefcase. Threw the briefcase, on, yeah, <laughs> like that, and the neck brace. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I know that. Yeah, I know that reference. Can't pull that over on me. Uh, mm. All right, so people, if you still have leftovers from Thanksgiving, not, not in the freezer, probably a good idea to get them out of the fridge. Do it all. Tonight, so that uh, you, you can get the green apple stu- two steps out of the way, and mm-hmm. just call in sick on Wednesday and Thursday as just, a precaution. Just know now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. M- mention to the boss before you leave for yeah. the day. Hey, I'm probably not going to be in. I'm going to be uh, making Shannon's turkey sandwich tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a side note about the romaine lettuce, because we talked when you were here on Tuesday is when that news broke that they were oh, calling yeah. for all romaine to be gone. They have narrowed it down to Central Coast romaine lettuce. Grown in the field, not grown in greenhouse, not hydroponic, but out in the field, Central Coast romaine lettuce. And they said that you will start seeing romaine come back to store shelves and it will be it's voluntary at this point, although I would imagine it's probably a matter of time before they make this a requirement. It will be labeled where it came from, when it was bagged so that you will know where your romaine came from. Don't eat it. And it's probably a good idea to stay away from it until they, they did nail this it. last time. They just... go back and forth. Yeah. Here's the thing: we're actually getting better at this. That's why it keeps. That's why it seems like we're, we keep hearing these things. We're getting better and uh, finding the 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 path more quickly for a couple reasons. There's third party websites like uh, um, uh, IWasPoisoned.com, I think is the name of it, where you can go and you can if you got sick somewhere. You put it up there, and it starts to triangulate to see if more people got sick at that one oh, area. Wow. And the CDC checks these things as well as other websites. So they're getting better, and that's why it seems like it's happening more. It's not. We're just better at catching it early. However, oftentimes there is a, <laughs> there's a lag time. Oh, no, it's, it's a great read. Trust <laughs> yes, me. it is. Yeah. It, there's a lag time in between them catching it, Every which was— two hours yeah. I was getting up <laughs> to go to the bathroom. <laughs> See? Can you just say I got sick? You yeah. no. do blow by blow. No, you could, oh because now you're going to go. Hey, that's just like I me. Went to go get a yeah. bucket to vomit. <laughs> it's, it's it's the WebMD that that oh, that is, uh, is fun to read. It really is. I was shoulder launching oatmeal into my bowl. <laughs> that's exactly what's happening. All right, we'll come back. We're going to talk with Neil Saavedra, Fork Reporter, about some uh, some food trends. Maybe a little early. We're still six weeks out before the— My body the, uh... is trying so hard to dispose of all remnants. <laughs> Five weeks away from the, the new Hoffman year. It's the Gary Hoffman liquidation sale. Everything must go. Oh, my God. Food trends when we come back. Oh, Gary hilarious. and Shannon will continue. Tessa Barrera has an update.
Brian Shannon. Former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort now denying that he ever met WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. Says in a statement that that Guardian report is totally false. We did also get an update from uh, Ventura County today about the borderline bar and grill shooting. Uh, It turns out that the guy who did it had five fully loaded high-capacity magazines when he shot himself. So he had at least 150 rounds that he still could have... uh, he still could have peeled off it with he didn't end up killing himself and was forced to by the officers who made their way into the bar. Well, we have our fork reporter with us for Tasty Tuesday, and it's around this time of year that we start talking about food trends for the next year, what we can look forward to in the new year. I love some of these. I don't love all of them. The idea of personalized foods where you would go through and get sort of a You know, I don't know how in-depth it would have to be, but a DNA test where then somebody tailors a diet plan for you for for health, I understand. For beauty? Well, here's the thing. The trends that are coming, and I've been seeing these kind of, you know, dribble in a little bit as you get closer to the end of the year. People start doing these predictive things. But you have a lot of uh, food companies and folks that want to become soothsayers because it, it it helps them kind of project and focus their monies, their resources, and their energy towards something they think is going to uh, bring them return, right? So they start looking at all these different things, and they put these, these little uh, think tanks together. But strangely enough, what used to be a couple, five years ago, we'd be talking, having this conversation. It would be, hey, um, you know, uh, cucumbers are really popular, going to be really popular, or the kale is fading and now the the cauliflower, those types of things. That's not what's happening anymore. The trends that they're looking towards now are these bigger conceptual trends dealing with not what people eat, but why they eat it and the patterns they're creating. So, for instance, you're, you're not looking at um, a, a food product or food type. You're looking at things that, de- that are defining people. As much as we're getting tribalized with politics, food has become quite political as well. So now you're getting people defined. They want to be a part. They want to buy a product and they want to eat a product that is, that sits with their mindset and their beliefs. It's, <laughs> that's uh, such a nice luxury, isn't it? Yeah. It's I like, want food that's aligned with my belief system. And it's then like, how about just – The very act of it is slapping the face of people that have to carry buckets of water yeah, on seriously. their head. Right. That's embarrassing. Like if I was that person who, who ate that way, I would never admit it to anyone. Go to India and you will, <laughs> you will stop thinking that way. When yeah. you see the, the lengths people have to go to to move water from one point to another point, you start to – shut the F up about your gluten and GMOs and all these things because you just start seeing um, what people have to go through to get clean water and to eat anything. Being picky about food is quite the luxury. Absolutely. And And, and it's a modern invention. I mean, that's within the last 20, 30, 40 years perhaps even in this country that being picky about, you know, eating a diverse... Diet is people very, are defining very themselves by the, oh I'm paleo or I'm whole yeah, thirty or I'm keto or it's I'm this or so I'm that and it's and embarrassing. Let me tell you something right off the bat: there are it there is nothing that works one hundred percent for everyone. There's not. Um, if you want to have a vegan diet, that's great. 
That's not the way we're designed. It doesn't mean that you can't make that choice. But no, there is uh, no scientist that is going to tell you that we are designed to eat only um, plant-based food. It's just not how we're designed. However, we've evolved to a point where you can make that choice and still get everything uh, saved for, I think, B12. You can get everything and things like that. But you start defining yourself by, by these things. And if I were to do a keto diet, it would kill me. I mean, it would, it, my kidneys would shut down instantly. So th- there, there's not one diet for everyone, but the, the fact that people are defining themselves by it is going to be huge. And technology, the combination of technology and food is going to be um, really big in 2020. Where do you stand on the question of is it okay to eat mashed potatoes at 9.23 a.m.? It's a veggie. Are you kidding? Would you have home fries at 9.23 a.m.? No, would you a, have? That is a strong argument. I didn't would you have ever hash? think about that. You would have hash? You'd mm-hmm. have hash browns? Any potatoes. sort of potato, yeah. Yeah. Why are you looking at me? You're well, you were shaming me earlier because I eat mashed I potatoes at nine twenty three. I just thought it was funny that you had to ask the room. I love is nine twenty three too early for mashed potatoes? I like how she go. The skinny blonde goes to the fat guy and goes, "Hey, what do you think? <laughs> what am I going to? What am I going to say? No, that's horrible. What how kind of idiot eats that in the morning? <laughs> John, you eat mashed potatoes at nine in the morning." Uh, French fries. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Same thing. So <laughs> there's no, there's no potato ban in the morning. No. As far as I'm. Very good. As far as I know. What do you guys have going today? <laughs> I apologize. Just never know what I'm walking uh, on. I know. I totally agree. Um, I apologize for that. The, well, Adam Housley's coming on after five o'clock. The, he works for Fox News for uh, 17 years. He was on our show frequently. And maybe with you guys, too. He would cover all the major disasters around the country. And unfortunately, his uh, niece got killed in that uh, borderline bar and grill shooting uh, a few weeks back. So he's going to come on with us and talk about it. Okay, Excellent. John and Ken coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Be sure to be with us next time for further adventures of Gary and Shannon.